we even get into today's show, which is a Q&A, but I am going to help you navigate through the holidays as well. So there are going to be some uh, holiday rants, but more so some strategies to make sure that you're not falling into the statistics of weight gain, which actually are a lot smaller than you probably think. There's a lot of rumors that people gain 5 to 10 pounds every holiday and yada, yada. Studies just do not show that that is actually true, and I'm going to explain that, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how you should treat these holidays to make sure that you're actually approaching them properly, lowering stress, managing them, enjoying them, seeing results still, so on and so forth. So I'm going to get into all that, but before I do, today is Black Friday. If you're listening to this when it launches, it is Black Friday, and if you're listening to this late, but it is still Saturday or Sunday during the weekend, we may still have this up and available But I can't promise that because there are limited spots in each category of our sale. And, yes, we are having a sale. So um, this year is going to be different than any other year. Usually I don't really do a Black Friday special, to be honest with you, because I'm a coach. I do coaching, and I don't really believe in discounting our product because what we do is so valuable in my mind. Um, In the past, I have just done free calls. People get on a free call. I troubleshoot them. If coaching is right, they, they go through with it with me. But I never discount anything. This year is a little bit different for a couple of reasons. Number one, I have a team with me to help support me and reach more people, help more people, guide more people, and get more people results. And number two, we actually have a lot of products since last year at this time um, that we can offer. So Black Friday special is going on right now. Everything is 50% off. And I know that sounds crazy because, well, it is. Everything is 50% off, guys. So if you click the link in the description, the show notes, the first link you see on that iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, wherever you're watching this, the first link is going to take you to a checkout. This checkout is like our Black Friday menu. So I had a special page created that shows you exactly what we're offering for 50% off. So you can grab Functional Muscle 1, Functional Muscle 2, Density, the training program. You can grab the Nutrition uh, Recipe Book. You can jump into the Boom Boom Elite, our membership site, or you can sign up for Nutrition Coaching. All of those things are 50% off. For the coaching, it is 50% off your first month only, but it's still a great opportunity to jump in and finally see the results you are looking to see. And if you need a training program, now's the time because you can jump in the elite or you can grab a book at 50% off. And last but not least, the macro nutrition guide, the recipe book itself is 50% off as well. So everything we have is uh, that we offer for sale literally is 50% off. You can grab those at the link, the first link in the description that you see below. If you have any troubles with that or if you have any questions at all, you can email me personally, Cody at BoomBoomPerformance.com, and I will get right back to you. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the Q&A. So before we jump into the Q&A, another delay. I did rhyme that. Didn't mean to. But I was going to try to rhyme again. That's why you heard that pause. (laughs) But that's how bad I am at hip-hop and rhyming. I literally couldn't think of another thing to rhyme with. May, say, okay, anyway. Um, so I'm not going to rhyme the rest of the podcast, I promise. I won't hurt your ears. So uh, before we get into this Q&A, I do have a handful of good questions. Actually, questions that are still delayed from last week um, that I didn't get a chance to get to. So if you want your questions answered, guys, remember there's two options. You can click the link in the description that says Ask Boom Boom. It'll take you to a page. You can fill out the form and actually ask me anything directly. Or you can just follow me on Instagram at Cody.BoomBoom and you can uh, shoot me a DM. I answer all my DMs personally and all my emails personally, and I will get to your question in the in the DM and also on the podcast probably. So, um, But before we get into these questions, I wanted to kind of cover 
holidays. You know, I like I wrote a blog, which I'll link that in the description as well. I wrote a blog for today, um, and it was called. I already forgot what it was called. Let me check. It's basically not your average blog <laughs> for Thanksgiving. Um, so it is called Navigating Through the Holidays, Realistic Holiday Health Outcomes. And the first thing I said is this is not your typical Thanksgiving survival guide nutrition blog that's going to save you from putting on pounds this holiday season because that's the reality. Um, the truth is, is first of all, the truth is, is that I swear 99% of the blogs written on this day are all called the Thanksgiving Survival Guide or the Christmas Survival Guide, the Holiday Survival Guide. It's always the Survival Guide. I don't know why. I didn't title the blog that for a reason, guys. This is navigating through the holidays in a realistic way, and that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about on this podcast before we get into the Q&A because the reality is is people expect to have some kind of hack or strategy, and the reality is there are no hacks. There are strategies, but there are no hacks. Results do not disappear from one day off your plan just like they are not built from one day on a plan. So I'm going to repeat that. Results do not disappear from one day off your plan, just like they are not built from one day on your plan. And the reason I want to restate that and I want to say it multiple times is because consistency in a positive or negative way is truly the key to success or to failure. If you consistently cheat on your diet, if you consistently skip the gym, if you consistently act lazy, that's how you get these shitty results. If you consistently do the work you need to do, that's how you get success. That's how you build results. Not negative results, not failure, not losing your results. And one day of, of gluttony is not going to completely sabotage your results. It's not ru- going to ruin your results. It's not going to take back the months and months and months of hard work that you did in the gym if you were in the gym for those months and months. And I think people need to remember that because people go into the holiday with anxiety and they're trying to figure out all these different things. Like I'm going to give you some strategies that I use personally, some that I'm literally – today is Thursday. Today is Thanksgiving when I'm recording this. And I'm going to share some holiday tips, some some strategies that I use personally to get through the holiday without adding pounds <laughs> and going overboard. But the reality is, is, is we need to take it down a notch. We need to chill out. We need to remember that consistency is the key. You need to commit to a longer period of time. You need to focus on the building blocks of what creates success. And you need to stop worrying about or stressing about what your macros look like on Thanksgiving. Like that's my first tip. Stop tracking macros. You do not need to track macros. This is a holiday to do a couple things. Number one, it's a holiday to be grateful. I believe everybody should practice gratitude every single day. It's something I write in my journal every day. It's something I tell my fiance every day. It's something I tell my my daughter every day, even though she can't understand what I'm saying yet. It's something that I practice every single day. I believe gratitude is one of the biggest keys to success. But this is a holiday to be thankful. This is a holiday to be grateful. So go out of your way to show that even more. Go out of your way to show that to people you haven't showed that to in a long time or ever. I made a post on my, th- my Instagram about that today. I'm thankful for you listening to this right now. I'm thankful for my followers, my subscribers, my clients, the people who reach out, the people who DM me with questions, the people who DM me and just say, hey, I appreciate you and all the hard work you put out so I can get better. I'm not even paying you and I'm learning so much. Like that's what I'm thankful for. So thank you for listening to this right now, literally you. With, the, with this in your headphones. I appreciate that so much because it's what helps me do what I do for a living. It's help, what helps me live my passion. So today's the day to be thankful for that, right? Another thing, and I, and I understand that you're listening to this after Thanksgiving. So 
the fact of the matter is some of these tips won't apply to you right now, but they can apply to you the day after, and they can apply to you on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, so on and so forth, any holiday. The point is, is any social event, actually. This is the point of this is I'm trying to give you strategies that are realistic that you can apply to the rest of your life. Thanksgiving is a day to literally stuff your face, which is amazing. It's the best holiday of ever. <laughs> we literally get a day to appreciate everybody around us and a day to uh, stuff our face with as much food as we possibly can. So what I was getting to with that, <laughs> now that I've ranted, number one, you shouldn't be tracking macros on holidays. Guys, Like, remember that there's going to be times, date nights, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Christmas Eve, all these holidays, birthdays, special events, that it's okay to put macros away. One day of tracking macros didn't create your results, and one day of not tracking your macros isn't going to ruin your results. These situations are times where you can practice your intuitive eating. You can practice the knowledge you've taken in, the things you've learned from tracking macros, from following a diet, from training hard, from living a healthier lifestyle. These are the things that you use in order to navigate through life when you can't always use your MyFitnessPal app. So I recommend to a lot of people take a day off and just chill. And I think more people should do this more often, whether it's every week or every month. I think everybody should take a day to practice intuitive eating, take a day to step away from everything and just chill and just be grateful and just be happy and just just not focus on losing weight, not focus on building muscle, not focus on training as hard as you can. Just be a human being and just chill. We need that to level our brain out. Number two, try fasting. This is an easy tip that I'm using right now. I'm fasting, and I'm going to fast the rest of the day pretty much. I'm going to work out right before I go to my grandma's to stuff my face, and I am going to probably drink a protein shake with highly branched cyclic dextrin right before I train just so I have a little bit better energy, a better pump. Um, after I get done, I might drink another protein shake if anything, and then I'm just going to head straight to my grandma's, and I'm going to eat as much food as I want to eat. I'm not going to worry about anything else. But because I fasted, number one, this is – and again, this is Thanksgiving that I'm talking. <laughs> this is Black Friday that you're listening. So this is too late for you to apply it on Thanksgiving. But the key with this is simple. When it's date night, when me and Shannon decide to go out to a dinner, and I know I'm going to go out and I'm going to drink some wine. I'm going to probably have some lamb shanks that are going to have like 30 grams of fat alone. I'm going to probably have some mashed potatoes, piece of garlic bread, why wait? Like I know I'm going to go high calories. I'm probably going to fast that day. I'm going to train fasted. I'm going to do something light, and then I'm going to go enjoy my dinner. Two things happen. Number one, when you fast for 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 hours, your stomach doesn't literally shrink, but you'll, what you'll notice is the feeling as if it shrank. You'll notice that when you go to eat, you get fuller way quicker. I can't eat nearly as much after a long fast as I can on a normal day. I don't know why, but that's just the reality. So fasting is probably going to lead to you getting fuller quicker. So you might actually not eat as much as you would if you were eating throughout the day. Now, no science proves that, but that's just what I've noticed personally and what I've noticed a lot of clients tell me as well. Number two, you automatically, whether you are tracking or not, save a ton of calories before that dinner. Which means because I didn't eat all day and then I had just a shake or some light protein meal with some veggies or whatever it is, I get my protein, I get some satiation, but I keep my calories very, very low. So going into this dinner, I don't need to stress because regardless, I'm probably not going to go over my calories. Simple. Number three, you can fast the next day if you don't like fasting the day up. If fasting the day of is going to create a binge at night, 
don't do that. That's not a good healthy eating habit. But what you can do is you can fast by skipping breakfast, eating lighter throughout the day, do a mini fast or a modified fast where you just consume protein throughout the day the next day. This is kind of the whole robbing Peter to pay Paul. And this is part of flexible dieting. Oh shit, I went over my calories by 400 today. I'm going to drop my calories by 400 tomorrow. No big deal. I balance out my weekly caloric intake as the same, and therefore I keep progressing. So fasting is an easy way to do this. Fasting is an easy way to manage social eating, social dinners, social events. Um, it's a great way to combat the high caloric intake when you go on holidays, um, so on and so forth. It's simple. So just get your protein, get a fast in. It's really, really easy. Number three, train your ass off before you go do this stuff. Today I'm going to do legs. Um, so I'm not switching my program. Normally, I will give people a special program. So there's two ways to do this. Number one, if you have a weak body part, target that body part. For me, that's legs. It's harder for me to grow my legs, um, so I'm going to attack my legs. They're also the biggest part of my body, muscular. So I'm going to hit my legs, and I'm going to add drop sets today. So there's two things to do. Number one, hit a weak body part if you have a weak body part and you want to focus that. If you're training full body most of the time, um, or you're targeting fat loss, then you would follow number two, which is do a full body training session. Full body training sessions are going to probably burn more calories, get your heart rate up, you're going to use more muscles, so on and so forth. Number three, you want to go super high reps. You can either add drop sets after your compounds, after your normal sets to everything, or you can just plan like an escalator style thing. I posted a workout inside the Boom Boom Elite, and we did two things. We did a ladder. Um, or a reverse pyramid, sorry. So we had a circuit where we went from 25 to 20 to 15 to 12 to 10 reps. So as you're going through the circuit, you're going from really high reps and you're slowly lowering, trying to take minimal rest period, probably not even changing the weights you're using because you're just going at a fast pace. Then we took a break. And then we did an EDT. So this EDT was 14 minutes, I believe. And we had four exercises and you're climbing up reps by Evens. This is a, a rep escalator set. So we're going four reps each, six reps each, eight reps each, 12 reps each. You're going as high as you possibly can in that time frame. So what I've done with both of these, I've done a lot of uh, volume inside a short time period. So the density of my training is high. And I've hit really high reps, which is going to build lactic acid. It's going to create more metabolite accumulation. It's going to raise insulin sensitivity. And I'm probably going to deplete more stored glycogen than I would in a normal workout because I'm going really high in reps, which also is going to create more time under tension. As we know, in order to really deplete glycogen, we need to hit um, a longer period of duration during or under stress on the muscle. So this combination of things is going to allow me to, quote, unquote, earn the calories at dinner. So today, my leg session is probably going to have a drop set of like 20 to 25 reps after everything just to create more blood flow, create more lactic acid, increase my insulin sensitivity, and get my body fighting and dying for calories essentially. So when I go eat, those are stored a little bit easier, a little bit better. So this is an easy strategy to use when you're, again, going out for date night, having Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving dinner, whatever it may be. Have a training session, but modify it so you are pushing the intensity and you're cranking the reps up super high. So we're not tracking macros. We're adding in some fasting. We're training. And last but not least, just practice smart eating moderation. And what this looks like is simple. There's a couple ways to do this. Number one, be intuitive and just know you are trying to eat until you are satisfied, not until you are full. This is usually about 80%. So if you feel like you're 80% full, just stop because in 20 minutes, you're going to be 100% full. I can almost guarantee you. In fact, science has actually shown that it takes 20 minutes for your stomach to actually send a signal to your brain in order to signal that it's actually full. So for this reason, stop short because at the end of the day, we can all eat for another 20 minutes and end up being overly full. We've all done it plenty of times. 
Another little thing that you can do to practice moderation, put your fork down before every single bite. This sounds super simple, kind of funny, but it's so practical and it's so helpful to slowing you down. Every single bite, you take a bite, you put your fork down. Now I'm going to be forced to chew more, which is actually going to help the process through my bile and digestion. So I'm actually going to slow down and help my gut do the work it needs to do instead of rushing it. I'm going to enjoy my meal more because I'm actually going to have to focus on being a little more present and actually consuming and enjoying the food I'm taking in. And then again, I'm slowing down, which is going to give my stomach more time to send the signal that I'm full to my brain. Super easy, super helpful. Number three on this little one, look at a clock. Time yourself. Have you ever, like seriously, have you ever timed yourself to eat? Set a timer for 20 to 30 minutes and tell yourself that you were going to extend this meal for that long. You're going to purposely try to eat for the extent of 20 to 30 minutes. It's actually fucking hard. Most of us eat way too quick. So instead of rushing, instead of eating normally, look at a clock. You don't need to bring a stopwatch to the table so everybody looks at you like you're a weirdo. But look at a clock and just be like, okay, I'm going to make sure this lasts 25 minutes which is going to for- force you to slow down, to talk, to chew more, to put your fork down, so on and so forth. I promise you're going to enjoy your meal. You're going to be more present. You're going to end up being fuller faster, and you're not going to overeat. Those are some simple habits, but they work so well to make sure that you're not overdoing it when a cheat day, quote-unquote, comes along or a holiday like Thanksgiving, which will be my case tonight. It's really hard not to overeat, but when I do these things, I can manage that, and then I don't wake up five pounds heavier And if I do, it's from salt and water retention. But days later, I'm still progressing in my results. So, guys, these are simple hacks, strategies. Like, I don't like the word hack, but these are simple strategies or tips that you can use on any social setting to help you navigate through the holidays. Because the reality is, again, you should go enjoy it. You shouldn't be bringing Tupperware to a holiday or to a date night or to any type of social event. You should factor that in. And and that's what lifestyle coaching is. That's what we preach at Boom Boom Performance. We are all about fitting in your social events to make sure that this diet is not altering your lifestyle in a negative way, but it is enhancing your lifestyle in a positive way. We want to make sure that you are allowed to have date night. Everybody has their non-negotiables. And that's something I like to talk about with clients before they start. Like, What is your non-negotiable? When I start up with a coach who helps me out, I tell them my non-negotiables. Yo, I have a date night every week. I'm not going to track macros, and I'm going to have at least three glasses of wine. Okay, cool, sweet. Everything else, I'll follow. And when I have that, I don't go overboard. I don't feel like I'm cheating, and I'm going to be able to manage the rest of my week that is more structured and more rigid and more strict, quote-unquote, so much easier without stress because I don't have those boundaries on that one day. And it doesn't mean you have to have a day of no tracking. That's just my thing. But the point is, is you guys should be able to fit these social things into your lifestyle. So because it's Thanksgiving, because I wrote that blog, before, because I've had a million questions on how to navigate through the holidays, I wanted to just talk about that before getting into the questions because I think it's really important for people to understand. I think it's important for people to use for their next date night, for their next barbecue, for their next holiday party, for their next Christmas or whatever it may be. But we're going to get on to the questions now. So Eric Stark had a question sent in from the Ask Boom Boom form. What are the three most influential books that you have read if you had to only pick three? Man, I really, really need to get better at reading these questions before (laughs) I start recording because I would pick specific ones. So the most influential books that I have ever read. Um, This one's really hard, but 
the first one I am going to choose is going to be The Go-Giver. Uh, and that's by far the number one most influential book I've ever read. The reason it's the most influential book I've ever read is because The Go-Giver – and I'll link to all these books in the show notes so you guys have them. Um, the, the reason it's the most influential book I've ever read is because it's it, it teaches you a new philosophy on how to go about life. It, it it showed it showed me that there's so much more than hustle. There's so much more than grinding. There's so much more than sales. There's so much more. Like it just showed me a new way of finding fulfillment, I guess. Um, and it showed me a new way to approach business. It, it basically taught me that you should focus less on selling and focus more on giving, and therefore you will be successful. And I took that to heart, and that's why I started creating content. And that's how I fell in love with content because that's one of my biggest hobbies. Um, and it helped me create a successful business. It helped me reach 10 times, 20 times, 50 times more people than I thought I could with my blog, with my podcast, with my Instagram. It allowed me to answer hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of questions and emails and shit every single month. I mean I've answered literally tens of thousands of questions by now because I, I approach my business. I approach my coaching. I approach my life from a go-giver mentality. But I also approach other aspects of my life that way whether it's helping someone train physically, whether it's my family, whether it's my friends, whether it's somebody I see who is struggling in the grocery store or needs help lifting something or anything in public. I just approach life from a go-giver mentality and it makes every aspect of my life more fulfilling, more rewarding, happier, more positive, and ends up creating more success because I focus on giving, not receiving. Um, and it, it just, dude, it's it's such a powerful book. So The Go-Giver is my number one most influential book. Number two would be The Leader Who Had No Title. The Leader Who Had No Title is a story about a man who was the janitor in a nationwide bookstore company. Um, and this other man approached that, that worked at the bookstore, got into a conversation with him. They ended up doing stuff together. Long story short... The janitor was actually the CEO of the entire nationwide company. So it, it basically teaches, and it's an unbelievable story, and I know I just ruined the plot, but there's so many good knowledge bombs. There's so many good insights. There's so many good lessons inside of that, and it basically teaches you that, you know what? It doesn't matter if you're at the very bottom or the very top. Everybody's equal. Everybody needs to get their hands dirty. Everybody needs to see eye to eye. It, it just It's such a powerful book to teach you where your focus, your mindset, reality. It just teaches you how you should have your outlook and how you should work and how work ethic is the most important thing. And the title behind what you do is far less important than the impact that you create with what you do. That's, that was very, very powerful to me to learn, you know what, I don't give a shit what my title is. Um, I don't give a shit who I am to somebody. I, all I care about is creating impact and helping people. And it, and it goes back to the go-giver as well. There's a lot of philosophies they share. But that's definitely number two. And that's The Leader Who Had No Title by Robin Sharma. Um, I don't know the author of The Go-Giver off the top of my head. But again, I will link these in the show notes. Number three, the most influential book that I've ever read. You know, there's a lot of books that come to mind. The Alchemist comes to mind. That was super influential to me just because it taught me so much about like chasing my dream. Um, the Ask Gary V book was actually very influential because it taught me so many insights about how to approach social media, how to approach business. Um, the War of Art by uh, 
can't remember his name. Uh, that's a very good one because it just taught me so much about staying consistent and beating resistance. Like that's huge. Like so many people fall victim to resistance. Um, fuck, this is so hard. It's a toss up for me between the one thing and the ego. Ego is the enemy by Ryan Holiday. The one thing I can't remember who the I'm looking at it right now, but I can't remember the author of the book. The one thing taught me, and I know I'm cheating by picking four, but so I don't want to cheat. The ego, <laughs> ego is the enemy is so powerful because it teaches you about your ego and how to let that go. But I will say that the one thing was probably more influential to me. Uh, so that would be my number three. And the reason that was so influential is because I think a lot of us have scatterbrain. Not a lot of us can zone in on one thing and cannot trust ourselves to only focus on one thing. We all want to accomplish so many things. We all want to do so many things. I mean, shit, you guys see how many things I have going on. I have a lot of goals. I have a lot of aspects. But I think all of those things were an accumulation of me stopping and focusing on one thing at a time. And when you stop and focus on one thing at a time, um, and there's multiple ways to approach this um, or to think about this, implement this, apply this, whatever it may be. I, when you think like this, you just get more shit done in a smaller amount of time. You learn how to hyper-focus. You learn how to be hyper-successful in whatever it is you want to do, and you learn how to become more present. You know, when I'm training, I need to make sure that that rep I'm doing is my one thing. When I'm with my family, I need to make sure that is my one thing. When I am doing this podcast, this is my one thing. My Wi-Fi is off. My phone is on do not disturb, so on and so forth. Like, these things are very, very important um, because this is my one thing. So, you have to learn how to focus in on one thing, hone in on one thing, get a sniper-like scope and focus on your one thing. And that book taught me so much on how to be productive. So that is huge. I would definitely recommend that. So for me, the go-giver, the leader who had no title, and the one thing are the three things that uh, – three books that I would uh, recommend. All right, Christina – Christiana Funmi says, other good glute exercises besides hip thrusts and glute bridges. Yeah, so like the way I look at this is uh, I'm actually going to go a little bit more in depth with every muscle group. Not each muscle group one by one, but I'm just going to say in general. We got to remember that each muscle group creates a function through our joints. And what I mean by that is the glutes allow us to extend our hips. Right, So if we flex our hips and sit into our glutes, we create a stretch. That's a part of uh, hypertrophy. And if we extend our hips, we create a contraction. That is n another, um, a, uh, another function of hypertrophy, building muscle tissue. So that's perfect, right? Extension of the hips is going to build muscles. The problem with the two exercises you explain, which are two of the best ones, hip thrusts and glute bridges, they are both extension-based. So we need to look at this from – another like an anatomical and a movement perspective what is the other movement that the glutes allow our joints and our bodies to do it's abduction so it allows us to abduct our hips which is bring outwards which means hip abductions are going to be the best exercise besides hip thrusts and glute bridges now what i will say is there's been studies that show a lot of different exercises being very positive right and there's different ranges of motion to take your hips through when still focusing on the movement pattern of extension for example the reverse hyper is one of the best glute builders you can possibly have um, a quadruped position kickback so being in a quadruped on all fours and then having a weight resistance behind one foot and then doing a kickback, another great way to hit your glutes. But again, it's an extension. It's, an hip, it's a hip extension exercise. 
um, hip thrusts, glute bridges, all the variations, even even a like a deficit split squat. So like a Bulgarian split squat or a forward lunge off of a deficit, something that creates an extended range of motion where your knee is going to drop even lower than the floor normally would be because one of your feet or both of them are elevated up. That's going to create a bigger stretch in your glute. But at the top, you're still extending your hip because you're locking out and squeezing your glutes. So those are all great, right? Deficit split squats, uh, deficit reverse lunge, deficit forward lunge, walking lunges. I love uh, extended walking lunges. So actually doing a walking lunge in either stepping diagonal or stepping too far forward. So your back leg is not in a 90 degree angle. And what that's going to create is a, uh, a bigger stretch in your hamstring and your glute. That's a great way to do it, um, to build the glutes with walking lunges. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, uh, hip abductions. I think that's an underutilized thing because it kind of just looks like a foo-foo exercise, you know, the good girl, bad girl machine everybody calls it, or like a James Fonda thing where you're laying on the ground with a band doing like clamshells. But the reality is that's a great glute builder. So if you're doing some kind of extension, like my recommendation for building your glutes is to do some kind of extension two to three times a week, which means you're doing a hip thrust, a heavy hip thrust on one day, a heavy, a lighter, higher rep glute bridge on one day, for example. Maybe you're adding in some unilateral extension, which is going to be smart too. So you can do an anterior lunge uh, where you're sitting back in a glute more. You can do a deficit split squat on the other day. And then you're also doing some kind of hip abduction because that's important. And on those, you're going to do those each day because there's only really one Two ways to do it, stand up or sit down. But either way, we're using resistance and we're creating abduction. And that means I'm going to do one day of like eight reps with long pauses, heavy resistance, one day of like 12 to 15 reps, and then one day of burnouts of like 25 to 30 reps. And you do that two to three times a week. I think that's the best way to approach your glutes. Um, that's my favorite exercise besides the thrust or any extension. But the key behind what I'm saying here is you can look at this from any muscle group. And if you want really to really learn how to program design – um, and hint, hint, I'm just going to say this right now, guys, I'm launching a, I'm not launching, I'm going to be doing something very cool soon that is going to help some of you trainers uh, learn how to program design for your online clients way better. So if you're interested in that, shoot me an email, Cody at Boom Boom Performance. I can let you in on the scoop and when it's going to launch. I'm only going to allow 10 people into this. So um, it's very private uh, teaching guidance, uh, if you will. So shoot me a DM or an email if you want uh, the scoop on that and when it's going to launch. But Basically, if we look at each area, right, so like look at the shoulders, what do they do? They abduct, again, so lateral raises, they press overhead, which again is a function of abduction technically, uh, but they can, uh, you can actually pull away from your body anteriorly, so front raises, like there's different ways to look at your muscle, and if you look at them from a movement perspective, you're probably going to get better results. Um, your, your traps, you can row or you can uh, so you basically you can retract your scapula or you can elevate your scapula which means I can shrug or I can row um, for your hamstrings we can go into that right we can basically with the hamstrings it's more of a stretch exercise but there's two ways to promote this so you can do it via hip flexion or you can do it via knee flexion right so when we look at this that means when I do a RDL that is a hip extension. When I do a lying leg curl, that is a um, knee, ex uh, knee fle flexion. Yes, sorry, knee flexion because you're curling your heels back, right? So my hips stay stationary, but my knees are doing the job. This is going to hit different heads of your hamstring. Um, we also know that if you're in a seated position versus a lying position on the curl, because your hip is in a flex versus not flex position, you're also going to hit different parts of the hamstring heads. You're going to stress different parts of the hamstring heads. So when we change the positions of our joints and we look at things from a movement perspective, we're going to be able to hit our, ex our muscle groups more 
uh, in, in a better range and a better variety, but we're also going to be able to pick different exercises without doing the same shit over and over over again. Such a good key for programming. Jessica Robertson. Robinson. Hi, Cody Boom Boom. <laughs> Sounds weird. Hi, Cody Boom Boom McBroom. Because she tagged me on Facebook. I was powerlifting for almost two years and stopped due to a toxic relationship. It's been about eight months and I've lost all my muscle tone and have only been running since. I'm starting CrossFit, although my old coach doesn't suggest it due to the amount of injuries. Any help with getting back into the game and back to where I was and beyond with my health and strength would be great. It's scary being a newbie when I used to be someone who others looked up to. Thank you for your podcast. It made it's made a huge impact on my life. That means the world to me. I'm, I'm super happy to hear that. I'm, and being that it's Thanksgiving, Jessica, I'm thankful for you sharing that with me because that's why I do what I do. My advice to you, um, number one, honestly, is, is get, a, get a coach that's going to program design for you. I wouldn't jump into a class like that. If you have been out of the game, you're used to powerlifting, you're automatically going to be a sympathetic, dominant person. You're going to be geared towards lifting heavy, going all out. Obviously, if you chose CrossFit as your modality, I would hire a coach. Have somebody do more. Like if you worked with me, my first approach would be, okay, let's, let's work on two or three days a week of strength training. We're not going balls to the wall. We're doing functional bodybuilding so we can focus on tempo and control and movement quality, do things like that so you don't get injured and so you build muscle and you ease into things without going all out crazy or cranking intensity up too high to where you burn out quick or get injured again. Um, I think you just need to take a slower approach. I don't think jumping into something super intense is going to be the key. It's hard to do so when you used to be able to handle more, but the reality is, is you should be working with somebody that provides um, a slower pace going into things. So my suggestion to you is if you're not dieting, focus on whole foods before you track macros, right? Just eat better. Start focusing on quality. Start focusing on that. Um, track your biofeedback. Look at your sleep. Look at your stress. Look at your cravings. Look at your fatigue. Look at those things to make sure that you're not overdoing it because all of those things will go out of whack if you jump into it too hard too quick and you burn out your nervous system. Um, those biofeedback markers are a direct correlation of how your nervous system is doing and handling things. I would hire a coach if you can. I would follow some kind of functional bodybuilding approach like I do for some of my clients or that is found in the Boom Boom Elite. So you can actually have a program that is catered to you, that is adjustable, that is uh, you can scale up and down and you can actually focus on quality of movement versus load and intensity. Like that's going to be the biggest thing for you is like let's focus on quality behind what you're doing versus how heavy you're going or how hard you're going or how fast you're going. That's going to be my best advice. Like take it slow. I mean, as, as hard as that is for us to actually put into play, for people who love lifting, that's the best way to go about it. Sarah Pringle, your best practices to get clients to stop seeing the scale as their only measurement of success. I just talked about biofeedback. That's going to be the best way. Um, I think this has helped me tremendously with working with clients. It's helped so many of my clients stop stressing over the scale and start seeing the little wins in their body, how they look in the mirror how they feel about themselves. How is their mood changing? How is their daily energy? How is their sleep? How is their stress? How is their performance? Are they increasing in the gym? Are they less fatigued? Do they sleep better? I don't know if I said that already. Are their cravings going away? Like there's so many things that improve when we lose weight, when we start losing body fat, getting leaner, getting healthier. And most people just don't know what to track, so they kind of ignored them. Um, and when we ignore them, we it's kind of like, this is why I believe tracking, like I, I hate when people believe tracking macros is neurotic or overly restrictive or anything because at the end of the day, 
awareness precedes change. And what that means is if you are not aware of something, you actually don't know how to change it. Well, macros are not a diet. Macros are a way to become more aware of what you are putting in your body and how it's affecting you. And that's how biofeedback is. If you're not tracking your biofeedback, how do you know if you're improving? How do you know if you're getting better? The scale is one small thing. So my advice to any client and what I do with my clients to help them is I actually teach them the process of tracking biofeedback and how it relates to, number one, their health, Number two, their long-term results. And number three, how it is going to influence their weight loss later on if we stay focused on the biofeedback at first. So I think it comes down to educating your clients on biofeedback. It it really is the best practice. So there's not practices. It is the practice. Um, And doing so, so you're communicating frequently, you're connecting frequently, and you're educating frequently with your clients, that's going to be the golden ticket. Carmen Splitzer, journaling. I would like to know your journaling process. What do you write down? When do you write it down? Every day, every week, difference? What do you recommend to start with? What do you think gets you the most benefit? Um, So my journaling practice changes over time. I I do free journaling quite a bit, which basically is like, what do I feel like I need to focus on today? So there's some things that don't change. There's some things that are change, that do change. Number one that doesn't change is uh, an appreciation note. So some form of appreciation to somebody in my life. Um, for a, for a while now, it's been Shannon every single morning. I think that's important to keep your relationship healthy. Um, and not only for her, but for me, it, it reminds me every day why I love her so much, why I appreciate her so much, why I'm so grateful. She's the mother of my child. Like I want to remind myself of that more than anybody, more than her, to be honest with you. Like she loves it too, obviously, but it helps me stay positive and it helps me be extremely happy with who I'm with. So I have a, a big leather journal that sits in the kitchen and I leave it on the desk or the counter. And every morning I write a note to Shannon about how I appreciate her. So I think appreciation and gratitude is something that never changes in my journaling. Um, after that, something that doesn't change is I write a gratitude for myself. Like what am I grateful for in my life? Three to five things. My team, my house, my cars, my lifestyle, my body, my mind, uh, my clarity, my career, my clients, my family, my daughter, anything, whatever's on my mind at the time. And I just show gratitude towards that. Um, it could be small, could be big, could be material, could be mental, emotional, spiritual. Um, I don't think you need to put a ruling on it. And I see a lot of people that are like, oh, you should be grateful for the small things. And it's, and I agree with that 100%. And I, and I write about those things. Like I'm extremely grateful for my positive mindset. Like I will write that shit because it is important to me. But I also think it's important to show love to the material things that you buy and that you love wearing or doing or riding in if it's a car. Like, you know, like I like nice cars and I worked hard for it. So to me, I want to show appreciation that, you know what, I, I, I appreciate and I'm grateful for my car. I don't take that shit for granted, right? And I treat it well and I take care of it. I keep up, you know what I mean? Like I think that's very important. Um, but I show some kind of gratitude to three to five things in my life. Like I said, it's a variety of things. Sometimes it repeats, sometimes it doesn't. Like one thing that repeats every day, like I said, is, is Shannon, my fiance. But I write her a note about it. So then I write three to five things for myself real quick that I appreciate or I'm grateful for. Um, I then write positive focus or some form of, which is basically what's a situation that happened yesterday? Why is it positive? What's the lesson I learned behind it? Could be bad, could be good. Um, but I got to do that every day. Those are the things that never change. The part that does change is kind of like my free writing. Sometimes I write out my goals for today, for this week, for this month, or for this year, or for 10 years. So sometimes I like revisiting my goals. Sometimes I just write randomly what is on my mind. 
what do I want to see? What do I love in life? What like anything? It, it, it's so random. Sometimes it's ideas, and this happens a lot. When I'm going through meditation, or when I wake up from a long sleep and I have ideas overnight, I'll wake up and write out roadmaps. I posted on my story the other day. It was like three pages long of like this huge idea and project I want to work on in 2019, but it was very detailed, like the exact blueprint because it was on my mind and I needed to get on paper. So I wrote that out. Um, so it really depends. The things that don't change are appreciation for my loved ones, gratitude for things in my life and positive focus. Those three things never change. Um, when do I write this down? I write this down at 5.30 a.m. every single morning. So I wake up, walk downstairs, fill up a big glass of water, chug that down, start the coffee pot, sit down, and I write that. So in between 5 and 5.30, because I wake up at 5 every morning, that's when I write it. Um, I do it every single day, every single week, every single month throughout the year, and I've been doing this for the last three years. Um, it does make a difference. I believe that repetition is everything. It's the same reason why I believe in training every day. I don't go balls to the wall every day. I might hop on the rower and do a thousand meters and be done for the day. I might go in the gym, the garage gym and do mobility. I believe in daily movement. And I think the reason behind that is the repetition builds the mindset that creates consistency for life. Like I truly believe that. And if I want to create more gratitude, create more hustle, create more appreciation, create, create more success in all areas of my life. I need a journal every single day to put me in that mind frame every single day. Even when I'm away, I usually take out my phone and I'll journal in my notes if I don't have my journal with me. When I travel, I always bring a leather journal. Um, what do I recommend to start with? I mean, shit, you could, you could do exactly what I just wrote out. You could do freestyle. You could do, I, I, I suggest at least gratitude, if not gratitude and positive focus. And I think that's the biggest thing. And, and what I think the biggest benefits, uh, what do you, what do you think gets the most, gets you the most benefit? I think the thing that gets me the most benefit is the appreciation and gratitude because it fuels me. It fuels everything I do. I'm so thankful for what I have now that it allows me to continually strive for more. Um, and I think that's, that's definitely the biggest benefit behind that. All right, our last question comes from Jen Johnston. Love to hear your thoughts on this and if you have heard, seen anything similar to what they are claiming. So she posted a picture, and I'm going to read this to you guys. It's out of a magazine, it looks like. Mistimed meals linked to cancer risk. The link between cancer and nutrition is not only about what you eat, but also about when you eat. Notes, on notes a study on meal timing and associated risks of breast cancer and prostate cancer. In quotes, effect of mistimed eating patterns on breast and prostate cancer. Uh, this was a Spain study in the IJC, I think it says, the International Journal of Cancer. Finds that waiting two or more hours after dinner before sleeping reduces breast and prostate cancer risk 20% compared with sleeping immediately after eating. Additionally, eating before any, eating dinner before 9 p.m. provides similar protection against these cancers compared with the eating after 10 p.m. Conducted in Spain, the population-based case control study involved 621 patients with prostate cancer and 12,000 patients, or sorry, 1,200 patients with breast cancer, comparing them with control groups who never worked night shifts. Adherence to di diurnal eating patterns and specifically a long interval between last meal and sleep associated with a lower cancer risk, stressing the importance of evaluating timing in the stu studies of diet cancer, the study adds. So here's my thoughts on it. I personally think this is more of a sign of correlation versus causation. I think that this happens a lot 
with studies and then magazines or people will grab a hold of the title and, and use the abstract to write about it and it's just not accurate. Now, I can't say for sure this is not accurate. I'm not a doctor. I'm not somebody who studies cancer in the lab. But what I will say is, number one, they're comparing people who do not have shift works with people who do work sh who have or are currently working night shifts. Um, they compared eating before 9 p.m. versus eating after 10 p.m. Um, and those are the difference. Now, my guess is it has less to do with when you're eating food because we know that daily consumption trumps all. And there's been plenty of studies that will prove that, whether we're looking at fat loss, disease prevention, anything. Total caloric intake, total nutrient absorption, total nutrient intake, those things matter um, when it, looking at a daily, weekly, monthly basis, not when you split up those meals. And there's plenty of studies to prove that. I think this is more of a correlation because if you look at the type of people who eat their dinner after 10 p.m. versus the people who eat before 9 p.m., if you're eating after 10 p.m. and that's when you finally get to eat dinner, a couple things come to mind. Number one, you probably have way longer work hours. Number two, you might work shift work. Number three, you might have a higher stress lifestyle, which causes you to be away from home longer, causing you to eat dinner after 10 p.m. Number four, you probably eat shittier food, for lack of better terms, because you might be hitting the drive-thru. You might be eating freezer meals like Hungry Man. You might be doing those type of things because not a lot of people are cooking wholesome uh, home-cooked meals after 10 p.m. That's really late to be really whipping up stuff in the kitchen. Um, you're probably not training because you probably have a busier schedule. You probably have poor sleep because you're eating after 10 p.m., which is going to disturb sleep, which means you're probably sleeping later in general. And we know every – I think it's either 10 or 12 at night, every hour before that is like an extra hour of sleep or something like that. That's another thing. Um, there's a lot of things in this study that tell me that they're correlating people who have other poor lifestyle factors that would contribute to cancer – versus missed meal times. What they do in these studies is they go, they look at a group and they see a result. So they looked at this group of people. They saw that they're more likely to have cancer and they found the only thing that is in common with all those people. What happens to be in common is that most of them eat after 10 p.m. But all of them could be smokers, more stressed out, uh, eat poor choices from different fast food restaurants. They can't correlate it to all these people eat McDonald's, but they could correlate it to all these people eat fast food. Maybe they don't train very often. There's so many different things, genetics, that could play a role in this that I just believe it's correlation, not causation. I don't think that's a study that is very valid, and I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't bet my money on it. All right, guys, that is all we have for today. I want to do one quick reminder of two things. Number one, if you enjoyed this podcast, please take a screenshot, post it on your story, tag me at Cody.BoomBoom on Instagram, and let me know what you liked about the show and what you want to hear me talk about next. And number two, it is Black Friday today, which means we have a sale, as I mentioned in the intro, if you missed it, 50% off everything we offer. You can click the first link in the description below, and you can see everything we have at 50% the price. I'll talk to you guys next time. All right, guys, that is a wrap. I hope you enjoyed the show today. A couple quick announcements before I let you go. First and foremost, I just want to encourage you to check out the products I have in the description. First one is the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is a very cheap guide to literally mastering your diet. That's why it's called the All-Inclusive Guide 
to mastering your diet. It's going to teach you exactly what and how to manage your calories, your macros, your meal timing, your supplements, your micronutrients, literally everything you need to know about dieting and nutrition and how to change your body composition through nutrition is included in this book, not just to get your results, but to actually teach you how to get those results along the way. The next thing is going to be functional muscle, which is my first and right now my biggest product out there. This is the program that is based on years and years and years of functional training with tons of clients. So whether your goal is strength, fat loss, or muscle gain, you should be strength training towards these goals while prioritizing functional movement patterns to make sure that you are avoiding any injuries along the way. That's exactly what this program does, and it's great because it guides you through the process, it changes throughout the process, and it gives you demonstrations and explanations about everything you're doing so you never get confused and you always have a solution. You also get access into the Boom Boom Performance Podcast Forum. That is the only way into the forum, and that's where you can ask me literally anything about anything, and I will help guide you through the process. Last thing I want to mention, guys, is if you could leave me a five-star rating and review, that would be fantastic because it literally is one of the biggest and best ways for me to grow in the iTunes chart. Oh, yeah, and real quick, if you're not subscribed, hit the damn subscribe button because I constantly bust out content for you guys, and I spent a lot of time and effort making sure that you guys can get better results for free by simply listening to this podcast. All right, guys, I'll catch you next time.